Hey guys, just a quick reminder that anything we say or talk about in this podcast is not financial advice. It is purely opinion-based and is meant for entertainment and educational purposes. We do recommend though that you seek professional advice from a licensed advisor for your situation. All right, on with the show. My mic is good. Test your one, Kilo. Hello, hello, hello. Hi, hi, g'day. How you doing? All right, sounds good. Here we go. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Keeping Your House Warm, where we just talk about New Zealand property market. And sometimes it's interesting, sometimes it's really weird. Most times we just try to make fun of it. <laughs> and hopefully everyone else is laughing too. We, we, we try, we do try. Yeah. yeah. To start us off though, Keelan, it's a little bit sad. Um, last week, New Zealand saw a lot of rain. Mm. Well, there's been some news where parts of the country have had to evacuate due to the floods and just the amount of huge amounts of rains yeah that have come with it right yeah 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 particularly in nelson i did hear over the um over the news that they had to evacuate uh huge sections of the town because of all the floods that was happening it's really sad to see that much damage it's hard for us to quantify that because we don't we generally don't see it happen and have you know a whole lot of people have to evacuate their homes no not not in auckland um i mean Generally, it's not the case that we get these massive kinds of flooding, but, you know, in other parts of the country, they aren't as fortunate um, or, you know, their house can be situated on like a cliff's edge and due to the heavy rain, you know, it does start to eat away at the cliff, um, which is not a good sign when your backyard slowly starts to shrink. Um, yeah, it's really scary. It is scary. Yeah, because one day you could be like, I have a nice big backyard. Next day, oh, I'm on the cliff. <laughs> Yeah. I'm on the edge. I am sitting here now on the edge. Yeah, yeah. So um, I guess our thoughts and prayers do go to those um, who are majorly affected. Um, but coming from that topic is this One Roof article, um, what are the risks of panic selling in the in New Zealand's most flood-prone towns? So yeah, so obviously as, as a result of people, you know, physically starting to see their homes and their areas getting flooded, they're, they're now scared, right? And rightfully so, because the minute flooding goes through your home, it's very hard to get out of it. It's very hard to um, remove that kind of water damage from the building. It's generally no longer safe. It's going to get moldy. It's going to make develop, you know, fungus and mildew that's going to get you sick. So it's very hard for you to want to live in that property afterwards unless you spend a lot of money to get it right back up to the proper living code, right? Well, the danger itself, if you if you are living on a cliffside. Yeah, is that, you know, one day you could, you could be asleep and you could wake up as your house is literally falling into the ocean, right? Um, and I guess as well, the other thing is that you technically don't own that much land anymore because what defines oh, gone, is your yeah. land is, is now gone. So it's not like you own the airspace anymore. It's, it's the fact that the land is physically gone. And so people are, people are scared. They're scared that one day they're always going to wake up with their house that they've sunk all their savings into is, is now ruined or that their house is physically not going to be there anymore. And so, yeah, people are the, – the, the sentiment out there at the moment is that people are panicking about it, right? They're, gonna, they're wanting to sell up. They're wanting to get out of this property because – they think that very soon they may not have a house to live in anymore because it might be gone. And, and you know, it's rightfully so. But at the same time, if everybody else there is panic selling and they're just going to take whatever they can get to get out of the property, there is going to be massive losses in terms of, um, you know, profits or trying to pay back your mortgage compared to just trying to hold that out until after everyone has gone through this panic period, right? Yeah. And you also have to think about the next person that buys it because 
what, who's going to buy something that is flood prone yep. and potentially a lot of the land have fallen off the cliff. Yes, yep, yep. With flood proning, it's not too bad if the home is built right. So if the home is built high enough or it's built on um, a nice solid foundation where it's got enough height off the ground or it's on land that is sloped, but it's not in the middle of a, in a, of a valley or a gully, then you know chances are your house is going to be fine. Proper drainage, that should all really help. It's not going to solve your problem, but it's certainly going to really help. Um, so I think like in this article, for example, there's a photo here of a really nice brick and tile house, but you can see the water's just reaching up to the fence line only um, because the house is actually built on a hill. So the water goes downwards, sits down around the side, and that's where it's all piled up along the road, which is brilliant, right? Their house is fine, they're safe. But for a lot of people, like in the next photo you can actually see in the in the photo from Westport, the homes in the background are actually underwater. <laughs> they are actually, they're actually wet and they're underwater and the man has had to use a kayak to get out and go anywhere. And the other thing is that a lot of these places get cut off without power. They get ac- cut off with access to clean water, food. You know, it becomes really hard and it's very risky for these people who may have issues or disabilities, right? Yeah, and their, their lives turn into survival mode at this yep. point. Yes, exactly, yeah. So, and and although we say that it's not really common here in Auckland, it, it does actually occur up here in Auckland. Um, and, you know, when people are going to look at houses, you can actually see on the report the likability of your home from flooding. And a lot of people don't actually take that into consideration. They just go, oh, this house will never flood. I'm in Auckland. What's the chance of me flooding? We, we had torrential downpours here probably about three months ago. And this intersection right outside where we work oh, yeah. was completely underwater. Then yeah. Audi got bogged and it had to get towed because he took on too much water into his engine and Audis don't swim. Um, Classic Audi though, thinks yeah. they can do it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, that that's the exact kind of thing is that, you know, although we're in Auckland, flooding still can happen. Yeah. There is still a lot of streams and a lot of rivers that run through Auckland and, you know, that can lead to the water tables getting quite full. So just do be mindful that when you are looking at houses to go and read that limb report, to actually go look for the flooding, um, flood possibility, the flood proning or the flood sensitivity, because most likely it will happen over the next lifetime of you owning that property. Yeah. So really, please do your research. Please do your research. Do what's called your due diligence. So whenever your agent goes and says to you, do your due diligence, that's one of the things you should really be checking. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So I guess moving on from that kind of sand use, let's talk about toilet paper. Let's talk. So a bit of a funny topic. Let's Um, talk about toilet paper. Yeah. We all saw when the first lockdown happens. I I still can't fathom the idea of if we're going to go into a lockdown, Mm. what's the first thing you need to panic by? And a lot of people went toilet paper. Um, I I, I still don't get it either because I just walked in. I like I remember when the lockdown started. I was like, oh crap worst comes to worst i have to go wipe with a leaf or yeah. something you know uh, and so i walked down the street to go get some and i was like oh look toilet paper on the <laughs> shelf big piles of it and it wasn't going anywhere yeah. i remember i think there was a, a news article um about a guy in australia who bought a whole lot of oh, them oh yes yep. and then when lockdown was finished he decided to want his money back he and then the store manager said no go away yeah how dare you panic buy like that and then expect us to give you your money back yep it really showed a really intriguing side of human nature when things hit the fan and the result of it was let's buy all the um, toilet paper yeah um anyway that's not that's not the reason why it's caused this shortage no so 
this time around, it's actually the manufacturers. Yeah. Um, that's having a shortage. Having an issue, yeah. Mm. So, yeah, so unfortunately, the the employees down there are just not being paid well enough. Um, they're, they're striking at the moment, um, much like we've seen strikes up here for nurses, for buses. Teachers. Teachers. I think everything's, I think cyclists at one point had a strike across the bridge. Oh, that's a different one. Let's not go there. <laughs> well, you know, but, you know, it seems to be a very New Zealand thing at the moment. To strike. <laughs> yeah, uh, we shouldn't copy what um, America's doing. Yeah, let's not strike everything. Yeah. But yeah, so um, unfortunately at the moment, the, the strike down, down there at the moment is mainly due to pay equity or getting paid fairly, right? So the the staff at the moment are just not feeling valued enough. They're, they're not, their pay isn't keeping up with inflation um, for what they're able to afford. So realistically, you know, they've only been offered 3% plus a cash incentive uh, of $1,500 for the past three years. So, three years. so that's $4,500 across three years plus 3%. Inflation at the moment is at seven. seven. So they're still not anywhere near enough yeah. to catch up with that. So the issue is that there, there is a lot of difference here, right? They're still trying to short pay their staff, but their staff are still having to try and keep up with the cost of living. You know, fuel prices, which have only now just recently jumped back down, and I doubt that's going to stay that way forever because the minute that fuel tax actually ends, we'll be right back up to it. So, you know, the fuel isn't going to get any cheaper. Food is currently on the rise in terms of price. I think the average price is up now around 9%. I think it's between 5 and 9% depending on the item. Um, and and so this is this is just them just trying to fight for their right to be able to live, right? They want to be able to live. And um, they're fighting at the moment and they're on strike, um, rightfully so. So the company, the actual factory actually produces Purex, Handy, Sorbent, and Libra and Torque. Um, the last one, I've never heard of them before in my life, Libra and Torque. But yep, apparently if you really enjoy Libra and Torque, you're going to have to stockpile um, because you ain't getting any more for a wee while the strike goes on. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if this is going to actually cause that same Shortage. Yeah. I think this now we might actually have a genuine shortage yeah. of of toilet paper because you physically can't get it anymore. So another issue besides this is that, you know, we're not actually at the biggest companies are not actually importing to New Zealand anymore because we're producing internally. So Kleenex doesn't actually get imported anymore to New Zealand. It has to get made in country. Yeah, I don't get that. Well, I mean, if it, if you can't keep up with what's getting made internally inside the country, there's no point trying to compete from an external point of view. Yeah. But yeah, that, that also means we're not getting it anywhere else. I wonder if it, this is going to cause another panic buy situation. Well, actually, you just might start seeing it getting listed on Facebook and trade me, you know. As, oh, more as, expensive toilet yeah, paper. Yeah, so instead of paying $10 for a pack of 12 or, you know, 18 for a pack of 12 you start seeing it going up for $30. Oh, <laughs> you know, like the profiteering with the PlayStations when they're in such a limited supply, people yeah. hyperinflating the prices and reselling them. So new toilet paper would be the next gold. Yeah, gosh, maybe we'll start seeing all the... All the yeah, the people queuing up in the first thing in the morning and countdowns just to get a toilet paper yeah. roll. <laughs> <laughs> oh no well this is actually a good segue because um speaking of staff shortages or any sort of shortage so last week i was in queenstown i went to um i went i was there for a week yeah one thing that really surprised me apart from the price hikes because it is a tourist town everything is priced higher than normal because tourists have got the cash right so why not yeah i mean i didn't really but you know <laughs> who knows you were an uh, exception yeah 
the thing that surprised me the most was every single shop that we entered had a sign on the door saying, please be patient. Uh, we're experiencing staff shortages. Yes. So it's it's around the country, uh, primarily in Queenstown because it's a tourist town. I think what happened was they haven't really caught up with reopening for tourism. Um, so not a lot of people are moving down there to work. Uh, another huge part of it is we haven't fully opened, well, I think we have now, but um, our borders, yeah. which should bring in the foreign workers. Are just not bringing in any foreign workers. Yeah, because I think yeah. we are still competing with Australia at this point. And unfortunately, with inflation rates and the cost of living in Queenstown, it's just not matching the pay. And and I think another big factor is that not only have we got, and I, we talked about this in another episode as well, is that we've got this mass exodus going on at the moment from the country. There are so many people choosing to move overseas for the simple simplicity of just getting paid more with a cheaper cost of living. Coupled you know, with the fact that they're leaving means there isn't as many people to apply for these jobs and fill these positions. We've got this um, mass fire quitting, quitting going on at the moment as well. People are quitting to do these moves, to change jobs. So we're kind of in the middle of the moment where nobody's employed, but everyone's got staff shortages. And so they're still working through moving and filling in the positions, right? So we're in this like kind of like a a, a bubble or a gap in the middle. Yeah. Um, and and COVID is still going on. As much as nobody oh, yeah. talks about it, COVID is still going on. Yeah, people, people are still getting sick. People are still getting sick. Yeah. People are still getting COVID. We've got flu season going on. So, you know, there's a lot of reasons as to why a lot of places are quite short on staff right now. It's not to say that employment is at an all-time high or anything like that. Employment's actually still quite low for New Zealand, but it just means at the moment that there is a lot of people unavailable to work and fill those positions, especially if it's one of those low-end jobs that doesn't pay very well because you don't want to work it because you can't afford to live on it. Oh, I forgot to say, Keila, travel news. That was the, the travel news section of the show. <laughs> uh, I think also a lot, of, a lot of the cost of living down there comes from... The rent, the rent prices, because as from last episode, um, we talked about how Queenstown actually had a small percentage of increase in housing. Mm. Um, so it didn't really go down, and I, I don't think rent has gone down either. I somehow doubt it with the way that the place is set up, the views, the lifestyle. I doubt you're going to see rent prices get any cheaper from now on down there, um, which is it's a good thing and a bad thing from from a from a renter and owner perspective. For a renter, you know, that's a bit of a problem because your rent's never going to get any cheaper. But from an owner perspective, at least you know you're going to always get a decent rent if you choose to go down that path. Downside being that obviously it is a tourist destination, so you, your demand for your rental is entirely driven by the tourism sector, yeah. right? So if another COVID incident happens or somebody just decides, you know what, Queenstown isn't very pretty anymore, that's it. You're out. <laughs> You're going to struggle. Yeah. So I think at the end of, I mean, we had, we did have a good time anyway, but I think towards the end of our holiday, I turned to my wife and I said, uh, maybe Queenstown is one of those destinations that we wait a couple of years to save up for. <laughs> that's, that's the luxury destination. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, so we went out. Um, or the first night for a dinner. And I don't know, I think this is probably my fault for ordering too much, but we did spend $93 on a dinner. Um, for two, that's that's quite a lot. I was going to say that's really standard, but maybe I'm just eating out at expensive restaurants. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> 
my rule of thumb's about fifty dollars a head because you got drinks, you got food. Fifty bucks. Fifty okay. bucks. Okay, I see. I get it. I get okay. it. Okay, different yeah. generations. That's fine. That's okay. fine. <laughs> well, next time dinner's on you then, because apparently you can, you can somehow afford to eat for cheaper. No, there was only one night, and that was it. <laughs> Never again. Uh, anyway, so speaking of, uh, we did talk about rent. Yes. Um, the next article from Stuff this time headlines big increase in options for tenants pushes rent down meaning there's way too many rental properties vacant still and no one wanting them yeah it definitely seems to be the case um and i think we have actually spoken on this before is that we're, we're now turning from similar to how we're turning from a seller's market into a buyer's market we're now turning from uh, a landlord's market into a renter's market so we're starting to see that, yep, there's more houses sitting vacant. People can't afford excessive rent prices. And so they're just going, whoa, hang on, you're too expensive for me. I can't, I don't want to, I can't, I haven't got any wiggle room. So I'm going to go over to him. And he's got a place that works for me quite nice too. So I'll just go over there, yeah. you know. And um, it's, it is a good thing being a renter. Now, now would be the time to try and get yourself like a, a really decent rental for what you pay. Um, which is great for landlords. It, it just means you have to be a little more flexible on your prices. You can't be expecting now that every time you go to rent a property out, you are going to get be able to charge an exorbitant amount. Yeah, because the reality is there's just way too many options for a renter to try and look for. Um, it says in this article that um, nationwide, the listing has gone up 11% in June and the medium rent price has fallen for the second month in a row. So this is, it's just going to drag on, I think. Yeah, it's just going to drag down because I think for a while, you know, people were desperate for housing, whether it be a rental or an owner-occupied. And so now it's become, people have now realized, well, actually, there's more options for me now. I can actually afford to go rent this place or I can, I can actually rent out this house and still be fine. And so now there's less pressure on people to buy a house or to pay extra to rent a property because there's just so many more options for them. Yeah. You know, there's more options, say somebody who needs to work in the city with the lack of students at the moment, there's a lot more apartments in the city. So there's a lot more options for people to go renting in the city. If you're somebody who works out in the southern suburbs, there's more new builds coming up every day. So there's more rental properties out every day. So there's more options for you to go and pick on a rental. If this guy's charging 770, but he's doing 750 for the exact same house because that's how the developments work, they're just copy and pasted. Why would you not go for the guy who's charging you cheaper? Yeah. For yeah. the exact same house. And $20 doesn't seem like a lot, but in the long run, it It'll does up. save up. Yeah. It'll definitely add up. And, you know, why would you want to pay more? Why pay more for the same thing? We'll probably see that things start to adjust as, you know, as the market starts to come around and resettle, right? But you'll probably find in maybe 6, 12, 18 months is that it'll turn around again. And because that's how a cycle works, right? It's down one day and it'll be up the next or it could be up in six months. You just don't know. But as long as you can find a tenant and if you can incentivize them to stay there long-term, longer than a year, if you pick somebody who's intentionally hoping to be there longer than a year, you're probably going to find that you're never going to experience this because as long as you have a good client working relationship with them and with your renter yeah. and they want to stay there long-term, it's great. You know, you don't bump their rent up as much or you, you, know, you keep in contact with them often. Doing that kind of actions helps build a really nice relationship with them so that yeah. they don't want to leave because they want to keep working with you because you're a really nice person. 
And that's all going to help you avoid having to relist it afterwards for less. Yeah, that's always a hassle. Because I mean, like what, what if your tenant left, they said, I don't want to pay 700 per week. And then you can't find anybody you have to drop it to like 670. Yeah, and then you're they come, back and then to they, the same situation you were in. And they'll come back to you. They could come back to you and go, actually, I really like this house. Or I really enjoyed staying here. Can you charge it to me now for $30 less a week? Yeah. And that may be your only option, right? Yeah. So, you know, if you can avoid having them leave, incentivize them to stay. You know, if they want you to, you know, fix things in the house, fix it on time because they're only going to want to leave. Moving is a hassle. Moving is a real hassle. So they're not going to want to leave if they're not happy with the situation. So if you can do everything you can to keep them happy, perfect. Absolutely perfect. Well, let's just hope they don't take that for granted either. Yeah, there is a, there, you have to balance it. Yeah. You do have to balance it. It is about a bit of a balancing act. Yeah. So let's take a hard left turn into this topic. It's not really a topic. It's more of a question. Are you a big fan of Harry Potter? Uh, I'm not the biggest fan of Harry Potter, but my partner is. She loves it. I think she would love this house. A little too much. Yeah, so if you are a fan of Harry Potter, like Keelan's partner, um, and you are traveling to Chicago, you would want to check out this house. Um, It's, I think they purposely built it to look like a Hogwarts castle. It's priced at 670,000 US, US. Yep. which is just over 1 million for New Zealand. It is a five bedroom, three bathroom property. And it's very hard to miss because it does resemble Hogwarts. Now, I, I will say that, that, that um, the books were written well after this was actually made. <laughs> so, you know, um, although it's, it, it does very much look like a, a Hogwarts house, um, this was built in the 1890s. Yeah. Uh, I don't think J.K. Rowling was alive in the 1890s, just just to say that. Um, but, you know, the house actually looks quite standard on the inside. It actually doesn't look like anything too extreme. No, it's really just the outside that makes it look it's, a it's bit It's the weird. outside bit. And, and I wonder what drove them to go, you know, I'm going to build myself my own little castle. What is it that, you know, made me go, oh, I want to build myself some of the little steel turrets on the on the roof and yeah. um, balusters and everything like that. And it doesn't even look like that big of a house, but somehow they fitted five bedrooms, three baths. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is also known as the Bridgeport Castle. It occupies three levels and, and it's just over 160 square meters. So again, not very big. Not very big at all. Um, very creative though. They managed to fit in the little uh, spiky bits of <laughs> of what a castle should look like. You're a true architect here, Anthony. But please look it up so then I don't have to describe it yeah, to you. Yeah, everyone just go check it out. Go check it out. But uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, if you were just looking at the photos of the inside, you'd go, oh yeah, this looks like a really just simple, just a house. Just a house. Yeah, but then you go outside and you go, oh. Oh yeah, that's right. I faked a castle. Yeah, I faked a castle. It's got a big backyard even. Not grass, it's pavement. But... And you can just see on both sides, either, either side is like just a, a incredibly normal just brick and tile houses yeah. and then you've just got a castle slap bang in the middle well it's definitely the talk of the street it's definitely the talk of the street um everybody who's anybody knows of the castle on the street well anyway this is a, it was that, that was our hard left of the day you know that yeah, that's a really weird way. property let's go back into the straight lane um and talk about new zealand's property another weird one though so this one again coming back to stuff um so this one is labeled agent is swamped with inquiries for a fire ravaged house in Gisborne. This agent is swamped for inquiries because 
of the land of the house. Mm, so yes. it looks the house has been fire. Oh, it's been thoroughly fire damaged. Like mm. there is there is nothing salvageable here. Um, yeah. This house has been thoroughly burnt right through. I wouldn't even say that you could save the wallpaper or, <laughs> or anything. Anything. So really, the selling point is the land. Yep. the The land here is quite quite sizable. Uh, I think it is about six hundred twenty two six hundred twenty two square meters. So you know, if you could only pay maybe two hundred grand for six hundred square meters, that's a really nice deal. So yeah. So essentially, what this, the any developer or anybody who's interested in this property would be doing. Is bulldozing it. Yeah, they are. You can't salvage this house. You can't salvage this. It's not worth it. It's not safe. You would literally just take a bulldozer to this house um, and then start from scratch. And two hundred grand is that all you have on the house? That's a really nice deal. Um, it, yeah, it just it's unfortunate. It looks like somebody just put a phone charger into a wall and then whoosh, the whole house went. Yeah, um, unfortunate. It is. It's very unfortunate, but you know, it just goes to show that that just because a house is bad, it doesn't mean that there isn't options with it. Oh yeah, it yeah. You really got to look at the potential. You have to kind of look beyond the cosmetic. I mean, this is this is cosmetic and structural, but you know, you have to look past just the simple first level of things. You have to go, man. This site is actually massive. If you can secure a whole site of six hundred square meters for around two hundred k. That on its own is a really good deal for New Zealand. That's oh, yeah. a really cheap deal because you'd pay three, four, five hundred generally for a section of that size in those types of areas, right? So if you could get it for really cheap, then why not? It's just a bargain. It's just a really good deal. So you know when people would look at this and go, as as a homeowner, you know if you're planning on living here, you go, oh my god, this place is terrible. Why the hell would I want to buy this? But you go, well, actually, if I bulldoze it, I could probably stick another two to three houses on it. And if you only pay 200 grand, then the rest of it's only going to be for construction. And so you could probably have three houses for about eight, probably for a million. If you could pay a million dollar and get three houses, that's a really great deal. And the rental income would more than cover the mortgage. Hopefully. Hopefully. Most likely. Most likely. But, you know, that is the hope, right? So a million dollars to get three properties is a really good deal. But you know, and you just have to see what you can do and you have to understand what is your next step with this? Or what is the next step when you look at a house? If you look at say an apartment, where am I gonna take this from here? If you look at it and go, well, I actually can't do anything with it. I'm just gonna be paying off the mortgage as I go. Then you have to really think, is that what I want? Is just to have to sit there and wait for it to get better? Um, and if your answer is yes, then you know you go wait 10, 15, 20 years. But if you're like, no, I want to do something that's going to pay off quicker, then maybe you don't need to look at the apartment. Maybe you need to go look at something with land. Yeah, well, that's always the battle, isn't it? Because um, apartments do go for a lot cheaper than yeah. a yes, they freehold. do. Yes, they do. Yeah. But again, it goes back to that encouragement of if you are getting into investment, look at the potential. Yeah, and if you don't know what potential looks like, Maybe you need to ask somebody. Not us. Not us. Maybe you need to ask somebody who's actually experienced in that field. I mean, I have some experience, but it's not as extensive as it needs to be, right? And you know, this is an example of where people are seeing potential. They're going, the house is crap. It's destroyed. Forget it. Bulldoze it. What else can I do with this afterwards, though? You can go, oh, look, I've got 600 square meters of usable land afterwards. 
what can I do with that? I can stick two to three houses on it and I can make a lot of money. So let's not, let's do that. Which brings us nicely into this OneRoof article where two friends um, have decided to save a 100-year-old villa that was um, asbestos ridden and they decided to relocate it to a piece of land in Grey Lynn and they renovated the whole thing and now it's the CV is around 2.6 million. So yeah, so uh, I guess this brings, brings it back to the point of um, looking at potential, Potentials. right? Hang on. Wow. That's, That's a, a lot of millions. millions. Okay, carry on. <laughs> um, and and I think they've done really well here. They, they've picked a, a really nice villa, which um, for those that don't know, asbestos is a very dangerous substance. So up until quite uh, quite a few years ago, it was used as a fire insulation because it's, it's fire retardant. So it's very hard for it to catch fire, which makes it perfect for a house because if your house catches fire, this is less likely to go up with it. But then they found that it causes cancer. It also causes cancer. Yeah, so get rid of it. Yeah, let's. It's cancer or a house that doesn't burn down. Um, let's 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 just go. <laughs> let's go a different direction. Um, and so what? Yeah, what they've done is is that you know they safely removed the asbestos, moved it forty kilometers, um, and restored it. So uh, for those that don't know, um, Graylin actually does have a lot of quite old houses older style houses because that's the that's the kind of feel for the area yeah. and that's the kind of the way that the area likes to work um and so what they've done is is they've moved something which they got for really cheap to actually be able to help suit the area that they're looking at and what where it's going to go and so now it fits in with the area and um yeah like anthony said the cv is sitting at 2.6 million now that is just the cv the actual estimated value of what it could potentially sell for is a lot more. And especially when you look at it, you just go, wow, is that is that really the same house that was moved? Yeah, it's, it doesn't look like it. But again, they did a lot of work and it looks like they did a good job. Yes. So what it was before... There's even a pool on the side. Yep, they managed to fit in a pool. Uh, it's a very long pool, very skinny pool, but you know they've managed to make it fit. So yeah, so what they've done is they moved this very old, very rundown villa. So the the house is you know it's got looks like it's got cracked guttering. The roof looks to be coming apart. Patios, awnings, all of that stuff. Holes and holes in every place you can think of. All just seems to be. Yeah, there and not what you want to live in. Yeah, they basically bought the skeleton of a house for sixty thousand dollars. Yeah, moved it to the site and renovated it. Yeah, and 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 what they've done is 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 quite an amazing thing. So behind it, they've actually added this massive modern extension. So it gives the front facing facade of being this old original villa, but you step through it, and there you go. You've got this amazingly modern. Mm housing um and yeah like good job I they reckon. did very good <laughs> this is a really good job this is one of those like renovation stories that just shocks you yeah has every right to be on like the one roof uh news feed mm, yeah it's incredible what they've done and it's all very modern, very new, very well executed. Um, so you can actually see from the listing, the the actual villa is actually only probably about, I'm going to go with a third of the whole house, even less, even less than that. And the rest of it also is all new build. So you actually can't, all you actually see though from the front road is the villa. 
but everything behind it is all hidden away. And it just stretches out to this massively long walkthrough kitchen into a massive living room uh, where you got one, two, three bedrooms, plus a sitting room, a study, and a swimming pool, and a massive deck. How much does the pool add in value? About what they cost. Okay, so it's purely cosmetic. Yeah, it's purely for cosmetic and for those that are really interested in them. Pools don't really add value in the way of anything more than what they cost because you can't really do anything with them beyond have them as a pool. Yeah. For luxury properties, it's like a necessity, but for standard everyday properties or your, you know, your average listing houses, if it costs you 200K to build in, it's going to add only about 200K to your yeah. property. And so they've created an absolutely beautiful house. Um, so much work has gone into it. Good on them. I mean, they took a bit of a chance with the asbestos because the minute that gets into you, that's it. It's over. Um, you're, you're in trouble. Um, but, you know, they've done incredibly well to renovate this house. Beautiful, solid white coloring through the whole property. Very consistent. And they've got lovely big hedges around the outside. So it does, it does hide it away, the rest of the property away quite nicely. I kind of would be tempted to see what the house actually looks like from the side. Like I know, although it's hidden, I'd like to actually see what it looks like from the side. It kind of looks like a, like a, a wishbone almost. It's just squared off at the ends with a skinny bit through the middle. But you know, if you are interested in a, in a gray Lynn property, uh, I for sale. do believe that it is still for sale. Um, oh yeah, still for sale, um, and it looks like it's yeah. So if you if you want to have a look, it's uh, six Francis Street, Grey Lynn. Mm. Um, so it's uh, the floor area is one hundred and three square meters. The land area is four hundred square meters. So you can't really add anything else to it. But why would you? If you it, it's so this is this is an example of a property which has reached its potential mm. right they've taken it from something which had lots of potential to maximized potential so they've done really well to show that you know you can actually make do with very little space right so i guess for the last thing we need to talk about or for time's sake we do have one more topic this one actually comes from one of our members uh tian so yeah thanks for sending this through and this is titled from stuff.co.nz uh this one's titled New housing rule is now legal, but, um, quote, sausage flats are not allowed. So first of all, Keelan, what the heck is a sausage flat? Well, um, I mean, I think most people know what a sausage is. Um, you know, big, long piece of usually stuffed with vegetables and meats, right? Um, and what it means in relation to a sausage flat is it's an informal term for a stretched out house. So it isn't very wide, but it is very long. So you do see them quite a lot in sections where, you know, the developer has a really long stretch, but it's not very wide. So he can't fit very many houses in properly. So what he'll do is, is that he'll, he'll instead of making it a square shape, he'll rectangle it out and stretch out the butt. So he'll make it a really long house. Um, so I think you, a lot of new builds are like this now. A lot of new builds are like this now because it's more um, space maximizing. You can fit in more houses by doing that kind of style because you can have a driveway up the middle and then the house is off each side, or you can have them up one side and you can have the longer houses and you can fit more in. Mm. Yeah. Um, so unfortunately what that means though is that a lot of these houses have been built with kind of improper privacy. You know, when you, when you live with them because of how close they are to each other, because they will have a shared wall, right? Yeah. Um, there, there isn't a lot of privacy between you and the neighbor. and 
Auckland Council has no, um, you know, pointed out new changes that they're going to enact or they have enacted that restricts this from being built in the future. So it's a good thing. You're probably going to start seeing developers build more quality houses, but they're probably going to start asking for more money as well because they can't build more to then split the cost across. Yeah. yeah. So what a sausage house, to, to really shorten it down, a sausage house, very long house, not a lot of privacy. That's what it is. I, that, that's exactly what it is. Now, it can be two-story, it can be three-story, it can be one-story, but it's where it's a very long, it's an elongated house with no privacy because of how close you are. Not all townhouses are going to suit that criteria. Um, not all existing houses are going to suit that criteria, but it's just those specific ones. And um, this article does actually list out a couple of photos of, say, some example ones. Um, the the first, you know, most prevalent photo there right on the top of it, that is what you would call a sausage house, where it's longer at the side, where it is at the front. So, and we're doing that, the backyard's usually a lot smaller as well, right? Would you even call it a yard? You'd call it a, a piece of grass. You call it flat, just like a square, right? And however, I would say with the second photo, see how the second photo shows a bunch of these sausage-looking houses, but the garage space is separated out in the middle to use as a divider. Yeah, that's actually a good idea as well that in terms is of like noise control. Correct. Yeah. So that wouldn't be really in breach of that sausage rule because there is actually some level of privacy that gets built with that because there is a distancing or spacing between you and the neighbor where you actually live. Potentially the only privacy breach I can see and a lot of new builds are going this way, they have to maximize the land and put a whole lot of houses in it. Correct. Um, whatever window space you have up the front, you are facing the street. So if you don't have curtains or not really good blinds, yep. they can't see straight through. Correct. Yes. Yep. Yeah, they definitely can. And it's 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 the issue where you get with these high density areas, right? Mm. Is that because of how close people are, it's very hard for anybody to have any privacy. It's a little different with apartments in Auckland, mainly because they're built so high up and they're actually quite for or for compared to the rest of the world, Auckland's apartments are actually quite spaced out. The buildings are actually quite far apart. Yeah. There's actually quite a lot of privacy the minute you go up two or three levels because Nobody can really see you from the floor and the nearest building is too far away for you to really be seen. But all these developments are different. They're, they are built very close and they all only go up about maybe one or two stories. Yeah. So it's very easy to be seen from the yeah. street. It's very easy to be seen from the neighbors. Yeah, and if you decide to buy one that's on a main street, you get all the traffic noise as well. Yeah, there's a developer who's built a couple right on the street where I live and they back onto the petrol station and right on the side that they're built is where the car washes and it's 24 hours. So all night, all these people are going to be smelling as petrol fumes and hearing the car wash going at all hours of the Do night. Do they get sprayed as well? Nah, they're, they're built upwards. So they're, you know, they've got a bit of a distance, but they're still within that probably about four meters from the car wash and probably within about 10 meters from the, where the gas pumps are. And so you know, there's no privacy. There's no, you know, somebody could be parked up at the petrol station for, you know, and looking up at you in your bedroom. Um, <laughs> you know, there's no privacy with that. And it's probably one thing that a lot of people with families struggle with is finding a place where they've got privacy for themselves. And these sausage houses don't help with that. They don't give them any privacy. Yeah. Well, it's a good thing the rules are changing. 
Yeah. So it, that won't affect any developments that have already been approved. So you're really not going to see this actually take effect for probably at least another six to 12 months because a lot of these builds have already been approved and started underway. But after that, then you're going to start to see these adjustments and these types of houses start to become rarer and rarer. That's not to say they're going to be worth anything more. It just means that people aren't going to want to live in them anymore. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, be mindful. Uh, sausage houses have now been outruled in Auckland. Uh, so It's a good name for it. It's though. a good name, a sausage house. Um, so, yeah, if you are looking at buying a sausage house, just be mindful um, that, you know, your house has obviously got some issues going on with it mm. and it is technically outlawed <laughs> technically <laughs> technically um but it doesn't matter you know if you do have good curtains and things to block off that view from the outside then i think you're fine um so yeah thanks thanks uh Tien, for suggesting that um if you do have any more suggestions um feel free to contact us but i think that'll do it for today Keelan? i think it will i think yeah. we, i think we've had a nice bit of a chat today yeah talked so about houses that have been on fire are actually still good options you yeah know? toilet paper toilet paper and <laughs> and harry potter houses um and you know the fact that you can no longer build sausages <laughs> you can no longer get approval to build a sausage. Um, Auckland is now outlawed sausages. Yeah. I think that's a headline right there. Yeah, on I, think so. I think so. That, that can be the title of this outline. episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what have you got on for the rest of the week? Um, I think we've got, I think we've actually got quite a lot on the rest of this week. Nothing planned for the weekend, thank God. But I mean, work-wise, I'm going to be busy as always. Yeah, same here. Um, I do have a little job in the weekend though. I think we do have a master class coming up. So a few of the clients will come in and do that. Oh, I probably won't be here because I actually do need a weekend off. <laughs> um, the property tour last Saturday was quite fun. And I did, we did get a lot of feedback from people who are listening, mm. a lot of our clients who do listen to us. So hopefully they are still listening. Yeah. Uh, shout out to you guys. And yeah, again, thank you very much for listening to us. <laughs> yeah. And you know, any, any more suggestions or feedback, uh, you can send through. You can message us or email us at keepingyourhousewarm at finax.co.nz. That is F-I-N-A-X dot co dot N-Z. Yeah, otherwise, have a good week. And um, we do apologize a little bit. Our schedule is a bit up and down just because we've had holidays in between and sicknesses and stuff. But hopefully we get through, um, get to the point where we go back to our regular schedule. Hopefully very programming. soon. Yeah, mm. hopefully very soon. Yeah. So, yes. Thank you all very much for, for listening to us. We do appreciate it. And um, yeah, hearing that people actually do listen to us. <laughs> it's a great feeling. It's actually a really good feeling. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that'll do it. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Bye.